All right, we're recording. Okay, we're recording. All right. Well, um, you know, we don't have a jingle. We don't have uh, – this is our first podcast. So, you know, we can add it at any point. But welcome. <laughs> Just It was wh- cute. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> You sound good on that podcast, babe. Welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm Dusty Slay, and she's... Hannah Hogan. Hannah Hogan. <laughs> and yep. we're just here at our home, having a good time. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know what? Rather than just sitting around talking to each other, why not put some headphones on, <laughs> come into a room, and record ourselves talking? Mm-hmm. I figured that's the best way to keep my wife from yelling at me is yeah. to record it so that there are witnesses. Well, also, um, we're both two stand-up comedians that um, married each other. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't something that, that I necessarily planned to marry a stand-up comedian, but Dusty, mm. as you can tell, is very seductive. And yeah. And he coerced me into this matrimony. Seduced you right into a marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seducing so but the question that i get a lot like when i tell people that i'm married to another stand-up comedian they're like oh you must just be laughing all the time you guys just must be just having a great time all the time what do you think about that dusty well i think that those people don't intimately know any stand-up comedians (laughs) you know because we are having a good time we're having a good time all the time but we're not always laughing you know and uh but you know (laughs) If we were laughing all the time, that'd be insane. It would be psychos. (laughs) Just like, but it is funny because like, I think people think that standups just must be making each other laugh. But I do think that we do laugh a lot though in our, in our life. I feel like I make you laugh way more than you make me laugh, which is probably the reason why I like you. I feel so, I feel so uh, funny around you. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> well, just learned that I don't make you laugh very often. Well, you do make me laugh, but I mean, I feel like I crush with you. Like, I'm waking up in the morning just so funny. Like, you're laughing at me on the pillow, and I'm just, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I'm not necessarily saying funny things. A lot of it is, I think I'm being cute, right? Like, and you're like, oh, she's cute, you know? We're but having it's, a good it's time. It's still laughter. It's still people thinking yeah. that I'm funny. We're having a good time. We are having a good time. But you know what? I was in Cleveland a couple of weekends ago. Oh, yeah. Tell me about Cleveland. Tell, and those tell me people, about being on the road, Dusty. I was in Cleveland, and those people thought I was really funny. They really enjoyed my jokes. Okay. I, I headlined on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I worked with a great comic um, named Chris DeStefano mm-hmm. from New York, from Brooklyn. It's great. He's very funny. Uh, completely different act than me, uh, but very funny. Mm-hmm. And then I worked with Greg Hahn on Sunday. I'm sure a lot of people are shocked to find out that it was a different act because it was just two white guys, but it, there is some differentiation. There is. Amazingly, there's a lot of diversity amongst uh, regular old white dudes, and uh, he was from Brooklyn, so different accent than, than my Alabama accent, and uh, he had a real attitude, and it was great. He said things on stage that I would never say, and I thought it was fun. I had a good time, and the audience loved him. And then Greg Hahn is a, you know, he's a maniac, that guy on stage. And anybody who's seen him would agree. He's very funny, but a maniac. I don't know. I was tired within the first 30 minutes of his set. Uh, just, just watching it. Yeah. I mean, he's nonstop. Uh, but it was great. I, I did Hilarities. Great club. I think everyone that's ever been there would agree. Great club. Great city. Cleveland's a great city. I had this fear that... Uh, I just had heard all bad things about Cleveland. I thought people were just getting stabbed and robbed, and uh, but it was great. We had a great time. Well, I mean, Cleveland gets a bad rap now, but at the turn of the century, uh, 1900, Cleveland was the city. It was booming. It was a booming city and a lot of very rich and powerful people. That's where I believe J.P. Morgan started his uh, monopoly of oil and railroads. Was in Cleveland. That's where it all. That's where it all took off. Was in Cleveland. Huh. Well, there's a lot of railroads up there. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it all started in Cleveland. And I watched this movie called "Kill the Irishman," mm-hmm. and it was about mafia in Cleveland. 
So the, the were they like uh, Italian mafia people? Well, this guy was Irish. Oh, okay. But the Irish mob? Well, I don't know if it was an Irish mob. He was an Irish man that worked his way up into the mob. Okay. I'm Irish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Irish Canadian. Yeah. But I didn't care for the actor. The actor, it seemed like that guy, the deep voice guy who's always, always, he was like Elaine's boyfriend on Seinfeld. Yeah, he's in those new uh, commercials now. Yeah, it seemed like that guy, but I don't think it was him. And it was like, he was being all serious, but I felt like he was joking all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I felt like at any point he was going to break character. Be mm-hmm. like, ah, just kidding. This is not a mafia movie at all. Mm-hmm. And then it had the girl from Grandma's Boy in it. That's where I always know her from. Probably the worst thing to be known from. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not familiar with the B. Adam Sandler movies. Oh. Well, she Linda Cardellini or something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know that name? Mm-mm. Linda, she was in the Avengers. She was in Civil War. Like they all, I don't know, whatever movie it was. They went to her house to hide out. I'm not keeping abreast of the comic book movies mm-hmm. either. All right. Well, that. she was in it, right? And they're in like the 20s and he's reading this book and she's a bartender and she goes, oh, a little light reading, huh? And I just feel like they didn't say a little light reading back in the 1920s. That's all they had was reading. Right. Oh, light reading, huh? I just don't feel like that that was a thing. That's a thing we say now. Mm. Anytime anybody's really reading a book. Because mm-hmm. this is what I've been noticing lately. I've been in restaurants, and people will have a book there, and they'll be looking on their phone. That's me. It's like, what would you bring that book for? So I think you're about to read? Just look it on your phone. Just look on your phone. Just own it. Well, I mean, they're probably trying to fight the temptation to be on their phone all the time. But, I mean, they, they gotta. the phone has to be with them anyways. I mean, anytime I'm reading a book, my phone's within a 100 yards of me easily. You know, so the phone's there. You don't want to miss a call, but you also want to edify yourself and not, you know, hurt your eyes by staring at a screen all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, that's, I mean, reading now consists of devices and uh, a book. And some people have their book on their device, but I don't care for that lifestyle. That's not what I'm about. But so I'm not judging that person in Cleveland with their phone and their book. Then. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Well, I mean, there's nothing to say to what I just said. But just read the book is what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't bring the book in and then not read it. Oh, they didn't. They weren't even reading the book. No. It was just there. It was just there, closed, and they were on their phone. Mm. I'm not saying they were reading a book and had their phone with them. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Yeah. They had their. They had the book. They brought the book. They were like, you know what? I'm going to read this book while I'm in here. And mm. then they got in and they probably got caught up in the social media circle. Uh-huh. That gets You go to Facebook and you look at it for a minute. And then you go to Instagram and you look at it for a minute. Mm. Then you go to Twitter and look at it for a minute. And you think, oh, have I looked at Facebook yet? And then you go back to Facebook, then back to Instagram, then back. And then you're locked in. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm not getting any notifications. Mm -hmm. It's because you just checked them. And now you keep refreshing the page and there's nothing to be refreshed. Yeah. It's like, oh, did a booker send me an email? Mm -hmm. Am I getting gigs? And it's like, no. No, you're not getting any gigs. You're like, well, what about that email I sent out to the to that town of those people to come to my show? And then you go on that and you find out that uh, less than 10% of the people even open the email. And then you're like, oh, that's soul crushing. Stop bringing in your bullshit to this podcast, <laughs> Steph. All right. We know it's hard out here. I mean, yeah. I mean, social media is hard, you know. I mean, you know, you start getting into a cycle and you start looking up exes. I mean, I know you do that all the time, Dusty, just looking up your ex girlfriends online. Yeah, take it easy. Speaking of bringing in drama to the podcast. Well, that's what what I do. Oh. You know that's what I'm going to do. So then I left Cleveland and I went to Birmingham, Alabama to the Stardome. And I don't know. You've been to the Stardome. but. I'm doing the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows, and this place is packed. I mean, I only know the numbers for one night, but one night we had 386 people in there, and, you know, I'm headlining. I don't know that these people are there to see me or if they're just there to see comedy, but we had a good time. Mm-hmm. I really, 
You were headlining, and that's yeah, great. Yeah, I was headlining, and I feel pretty accomplished. Well, the cool thing about where you're at right now is um, you're starting to like headline on the road. So you've, you've, you're basically taking the long route of skirting, trying to become famous, and just basically becoming a headliner through doing really well as a feature. Yeah, I'm not becoming famous. I'm becoming a comedian. Yeah, well, you are a comedian, but I mean, you know what I'm saying, and maybe maybe I'm not being clear, like, but for people just, like, listening that are fans of comedy, you know, a lot of headliners become headliners because they have been on TV shows or they've, you know, got accumulated TV credits, and yeah, you ho- do have those things, but... Um, Hopefully I'll be the comic at 40 where they're like, oh, that guy's famous, he came, he just came famous out of nowhere, and yeah. it's like, nah. Been on the road for 15 years. Yeah. yeah. You know. Y'all beaten down. (laughs) Your liver all curled up. Your skin's yellow. Your nails are falling off. The only thing left is your beautiful long hair. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then after Birmingham, I went to Jackson, Tennessee. You had a real country run this past week. Yeah, I did did 11 days in a row with one day at home in between. Mm. Then I did Jackson, Tennessee, which uh, we had good crowds. It was actually my best weekend in Jackson. Uh, and that, yeah. that feels good, though, because, I, I mean, maybe let's speak on this a little bit, because sometimes you do a club and then you come back a year later, and if you didn't have a good experience the first time, you're like, oh, what's this going to be? And then sometimes you think it's going to be better because you, you figure, oh, well, I'm a better comedian a year later, so I'll do better. Um, but then sometimes that's just not the case. But no. then sometimes that is the case. So is that sort of what happened with you? And yeah, you? definitely. I mean, I feel it feels like every time I've been there, there's been drunk people in the audience that wouldn't stop talking to me. Mm-hmm. So I could never really do my set. I would have to do a little crowd work and then do some jokes and then do a little crowd work and then do some jokes. This time, I actually just got to do my jokes. Yeah. I mean, one lady got up and... Um, I was making some jokes with her, and then they were like, she got really squinty eyes. And then I was like, are you high? And she said, I put the Asian in Caucasian. (laughs) And uh, it's the best joke of the night. I was like, well, I wish you hadn't done that so soon in the set. Yeah. Yeah, you've told me that joke like three times already. Yeah. You really appreciate that lady's joke. Well, that's what I like about stand-up comedy is, you know, if you're at a party, right, and you tell a joke to a group of people at the party and they all laugh, and then you find yourself in another group of people later, you're like, I kind of want to tell that joke again because I got a laugh last time. That's what stand-up comedy is. It's basically I'm moving around to groups of people mm-hmm. telling them that funny joke. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to you about this, so I get pretty sick of my jokes by the end of a weekend, but you seem to just still be into your own, your own jokes. Yeah, I mean, you got to mix it up. You got to mix up the order. You got to, you know. I do mix it up. You tell the, you try to tighten the jokes up. I do tighten it up. But. Honey, you know I'm tight. But the, um. (laughs) (laughs) But the. Nothing makes me happier than to, uh, just. (laughs) My good Christian boy. But the. But you got to figure out, you know, what keeps it fresh. Uh You know, you can't, you know, you you will get tired if you do the exact same order. But then if you change it up too much, especially if you have multiple shows in one night, you run the risk of being like, did I tell this joke already? Yeah, the annoying thing, too, is, like, when you start, like, uh, I mean, I'm sure lots of people don't do this, but, like, I'm starting to get into the to the act-out game where I'm writing, writing, or not act-out, callbacks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, oh, like, I have to do these jokes first in order for that. I mean, in some cases, I have a day, I have a joke where it's, like, the end line is a callback, so if I don't do that joke first, I'm like halfway through the joke and then I'm about to say the punch on like ah, I didn't do the thing before so this isn't gonna make sense and then I yeah. get a call back and the audience is like okay well that's what I you All know right then <laughs> moving on I have a couple of jokes where the the callback is better than the joke mm. so like I keep doing the joke even though the joke's not all that good mm. I want the joke to be good yeah but it's just not that good 
But the callbacks, great. You got, you got a, you're good at callbacks. You're the one that inspired me to get into the callback lifestyle. Well, nothing shows that you worked a joke, worked on a joke like a callback. And it really feels like an act. Like yeah. it feels like you presented this PowerPoint I want, presentation. Yeah, I want to bring people a show yeah. where they're like, yeah. they come and they're like, I don't care if people think I'm coming up with it on the spot. Some of that, it's like people want you to think that you're doing all this improv. I don't care if people think that. Mm -mm. I want people to go, hey, this guy worked on this set. He brought us this funny act, and now we're going to laugh at it, and we're going to have a good time. Yeah. And I want them to be able to see it a second time and still enjoy it because it's not going to change that much in a year. Yeah, you you know what? Well, you know what, though? You're amazing because... Let's talk about our different styles. I mean, talk about what comedians do day to day. I mean, I'm, I write, I sit down and I write my jokes at my little laptop and I'm just like a brown noser just trying to write my little articulate jokes and they just, oh, I'm so witty and I'm so freaking got these jokes in here. And I don't think I ever seen a pad of paper in your damn lap ever. I don't think you ever written a joke in your life. You just straddle on up there and you're like, hey there, I'm Jesse Slay. And everyone's like, wow, that voice. Everyone's impressed by it, but you never, you don't write like me. I write, you don't write. You just kind of, you just see where the joke take you. Well, this is what happens to me. I think that sometimes I, I write too much. If I write, then I write this whole idea out that I had, and then I go to the stage, and it doesn't work well, and then I'm lost in the joke. But if I just say it on stage... I can find my way in there a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to, like, kind of hear how different people approach joke writing. Just, I mean, not because I don't think my writing style doesn't work, but I'm interested in uh, trying different ways of writing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think things are hilarious when I'm writing them down. Mm -hmm. And then I say them out loud, and even just hearing the joke, I'm like, that's not funny at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Why don't you ask me about my weekend, Dusty? How about you care about what your wife been up to? Well. What she been like up on the road here in America? Well, she let, been traveling all up over in America? Well, let me go she... ahead and complete this. And oh, that, and then okay. ne- this, uh, I don't know when this will come out. I mean, but. Well, we could try to get it up on the Libsyn today. And then, you know, we get it notified by the iTunes. And we could get it out this week. But you're going to have to pay for another Libsyn subscription. Because I, I already got my mom and dead podcast. And I can't be. Oh. Straddling up two subscriptions. Oh, if we got to pay for this. We should probably just quit recording this right now. All uh, right, we'll figure it out. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we could put it on another. Uh, we could do it on like a free one. Yeah, let's try like, a free one. We could or do something. like Squarespace or something like that. Yeah, let's do something like that. All right. And then, you know, so I got a show on April 11th. I doubt this will be out by then. But at Zany's. Well, that's tomorrow, dear. Tomorrow, yeah. April 11th, but we don't know when people hear it, if they're hearing that on April 13th. I mean, I don't know how Squarespace works. I don't either, but then I'll be in Lexington, Kentucky this weekend at Comedy Off-Broadway. Oh, that's exciting. You're going to be with Burt Kreischer. I think so, yeah. He's the gentleman that takes his shirt off. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, But what about you? Where have you been? um, This weekend I was in Peoria, Illinois at the Jukebox Comedy Club with my friend Jimmy Pardo. All right. Yeah. How was that? It was really fun. It was a, uh, I don't know, I actually kept thinking the whole time, wow, Dusty would have a really good time here. And I don't always feel like that, but I felt like these are d- people, this is a club Dusty would really excel in. And uh, I, I also had a good time, very nice crowd. Um, it was uh, in Peoria, Illinois, which is the hometown of Richard Pryor and Sam Kinison, two very famous, legendary uh, male comedians that actually was said didn't treat women very well but no but that doesn't matter but doesn't matter that's not the point of my story and yeah also everyone knows richard Pryor and sam kennison yeah doesn't yeah need to yeah it was in the 70s you know you could you could do more things back then and um in the 80s and um and i had a good time um i uh it was four shows friday and saturday night and i've been uh Jimmy Pardo um, has brought me on the road with him for some dates this year, which has been just a, a lovely godsend, you know, because, you know, we're out here trying to book. What a people. great dude Jimmy yeah. Pardo is. Yeah. And you haven't even met him yet. Nah. No, you haven't met him yet, but he's very nice, very fun. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I've been uh, opening up for him at some various dates around uh, America and uh, I didn't do anything though. I didn't leave my hotel room. I sort of just got. I drove there six half six and a half hours on Friday. Got there, did two shows, 
then on Saturday, I just kind of stayed in my room. Um, I went into the hotel, uh, you know, they, it's not a gym. It's more of just like a closet with a elliptical inside and you just run old dusty treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't do anything. And that's the thing that I don't like about me on the road is I never really explore a city. I just sort of stay in my room and I, that gym does the opposite for your endorphins. Like instead of like powering them, it makes you sad that you're in there. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the, um, like sweating in there opens up your glands to more sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and actually I broke out. I, yeah. I, have, I have acne on my face today and I don't really get a lot of acne, but I, but yeah, I think that, that, you know, I sometimes get acne when I'm on yeah. the threshold of depression. But as far as exploring the city, yeah, I spent a lot of time in hotels this past week. I mean, a lot, like five days in a hotel in Cleveland, mm-hmm. three days in a hotel in Birmingham, and then two days in a hotel in Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I just lay in the bed all the time. Yeah. You I'm were watching. you were really feeling feeling yeah. getting out of there. I'm watching videos. I mean, I'll get out, but it's like, what are we doing? You know, we get out. We're just, you know, every city, even if a city is super unique, mm-hmm. it's still bars, restaurants, stores to buy things. Uh, you know, it's just like you know, some places there's bowling, some places there's arcade. You know, but I bowled a lot of times in my life. I played the arcade a lot. I'm not excited about it, you know? Mm-hmm. What I'm excited about, looking at statues and symbolism that people have around their city. That's a good time. But no one wants to talk to me about symbolism. The moment I start talking about pagan symbolism, they're like, ooh, I'm checking out here. Yeah, I've already tuned out. I've already changed the subject. <laughs> but I like that stuff. But You see what I mean, though? You've laughed like that a couple times this podcast. You haven't given me a guffaw yet. I'm crushing with you. I'm always making you laugh. Well, yeah, I mean, or you maybe you just know that that that's what you need. Yeah, to do I mean, you to don't keep have to happy. point it out every time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just trying to call it back. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to get that call back. That's what you, you taught me. To, you don't have to point it out every time you make me laugh. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I don't. What if you that? What if that's what you did as a comedian? You know, you're on stage and the audience laughs and they go, "Yeah, you laughed at that, didn't you?" <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's what I do. I go, that's a good joke. But yeah, I only, you do do that. I only say it's a good joke when people aren't really laughing because mm-hmm. I like to let them know that uh, they didn't respond to the joke. But I want them to know that the rest of the world finds that joke funny. So if mm-hmm. they're not laughing, it's and uh, it's something that they're missing. Mm-hmm. So, Dusty, you into you into pagan symbolism, and you're into statutes, and you're into the Illuminati, I'm and not the Freemasons, the, I'm not, and the Salvation I, Army. I'm not into those things. No, no, I, you don't support them, but you're curious about them. I just them like to look the, at their symbolism. The formation of America in the well, Western world. Well, I mean, even that you took farther than what I'm saying. Well, I, I'm, I'm saying that I'm the in... The implications of your hobbies are you're, far-reaching. You're just putting words in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm into recognizing symbolism that's out there and that someone if if someone's using something in their logo that i've recognized from something else either they're ignorant of it which or, is a possibility or they purposely put some some sketchy stuff in there yeah like how all the celebrities put that like the the, yeah. the aok symbol around their eye and they yeah. cover their eye and they're always covering their eye why are you always covering your eye what's that all about yeah you know what I mean? What is all that about, Dustin? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What is it all about? Mm-hmm. That's the questions that we should be asking, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Why are we covering up our eye like that? I do find it fascinating that no matter how small and uh, decrepit a town is, they will have a Freemason's Lodge bumping. You know, they don't even have a gas station, but they got a Freemason's Lodge. Yeah. Like, what is the Freemasons? Well, they're... they're what is it? Yeah. What are they about? You know, what are they up to? They're hanging out in there. They are meetings. They there. love meetings. Mm-hmm. Getting together. Maybe it's just a real party. You know what yeah. I mean? Who knows? I mean, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them, well, but I can't throw them because they, they're well, powerful. My dad's friend's a, a, a Freemason, you mm-hmm. know? He's a nice guy. Yeah. So I can't, I can't say that Freemasons are bad, but they are all over the place. Um, yeah. They are all over the place, and you and you see like the uh, like the compass symbol, and uh, which is yeah. their symbol or whatever the thirty three degree mason. compass in the square, yeah, the compass in the square, yeah. Now I can't remember if I was into this kind of stuff before I met you. I remember I was into like nine eleven conspiracy videos. Like I feel like the first time I discovered YouTube was really like 
like when I realized I could like look at like nine eleven footage and be like, what? Like, well, YouTube's dying now. Building seven, like, oh my god, like, and so I was like kind of into uh, two like conspiracy videos of that ilk. But then Dusty Slay came along, and he's like, look, there's a whole world on YouTube. I'll talk to you about this. There's a uh, video out there, a six-part video, about uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, an, a, chimpa- out, a, a chimpanzee uh, that they call Oliver. They said on this video, and this is a documentary type video. These are, it's not six part. This is not some video some guy just put together. This is a documentary on this. They thought, now that's not even the funny part. You're just laughing about the guy's name. You know, I mean, I've known several people. No, I mean, it's like, I can't believe any video is a six part documentary on a Name well, we watched a, a, a six-part documentary on Hank Sr. that you enjoyed. Hank so. Sr., like the country music? Thing? Yeah, Hank Williams, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Oliver, they said, they thought was a half-human, half-chimpanzee. And then this scientist comes on and he's like, could this be a humanzy? <laughs> and it's like, well, it's like, well, it could. Pretty sure you just made that up, but it is, could be. Isn't that evolutionist theory on man in general, though? Is that like the, the humans descended from apes? I so don't. That think, we're all kind of humans. I don't think they say we came from apes. I think they we had some different kind, like we were some. We other. evolved from apes. Though. No, I don't. That is the whole thing. But I don't think they're saying it was apes. It was some other kind of thing, and that apes have always been apes, and we were some other kind of humanoid. Oh, okay. You know. Oh, okay. It's all kind of theories out there. All right. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But, you know, they thought that Oliver was part human because his face was fairly human-like. And he walked upright where chimpanzees don't. And he liked to smoke cigars, you know. And he liked human women. Apparently, the woman that was his owner, uh, he bent her over the counter one day. Uh-huh. And I don't think he knew what to do with clothes and whatnot. So Give you know, me more details on that. Let me so, hear that story. So she he didn't he didn't like do anything to her, but he wanted to. So she had to get rid of him because she was afraid of him. So he struggles that. Oliver struggles with lust just like just like man. Yeah, I mean but what <laughs> what animal in the animal kingdom doesn't struggle with lust? I mean most like a, a lion, for instance, you know, there'll be one male lion and a bunch of females, and the lion doesn't go up to the female lion and go, "Hey, are you interested in engaging in sexual activity with me?" Yeah, there's a real rape culture in the animal kingdom. Yeah, all animal kingdom. That's why I disagree that humans are animals. You know, mm-hmm. they're always like, "We're animals too," and it's like, "Well, we've really, you know, we're we." It's it's twisted too because in the animal kingdom, it's usually the men that look all like colorful and flowery, like a peacock. Like the male peacock is the peacock that's got all the flower or the colors to them. It's the woman peacock that's just gross and gray and boring looking because because in fact the men are trying to attract and lure in the female. Yeah. So I think there is a bit of consent involved. It's like the, it's the it's the man in the animal kingdom that has to be flashy and impressive. And and even um, the um, you know male lions they have the huge ass mane right like they're trying to be like look at my hair like well, come maybe, on, I'm over here I can provide for you maybe some of them but I've seen dogs have sex I've seen cows have sex I've seen horses have sex <laughs> and whoa you've grew, seen horses have sex yeah and where did you see horses well have I grew sex? up on a farm well so did I but did you have horses yes did you. Yes. No, you didn't. Yes, I did, Dusty. I had horses. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did have horses. I'm just saying, none of that looks like, it never looks like the female was like, come on, let's do it. We're having a good time. Have you seen any woman's face having sex? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess I'm just trying to be funny. I suppose women do enjoy some coitus once and now and then. Yeah, so all I'm saying is that 
It's a wild world out there. So you're saying that animals rape across the board. <laughs> that seems to be what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, well, I think there's some consent involved there, though. I mean, like, because, I mean, I, I mean, I think that, the, I mean, it's just, it's hard to tell because, like, you I've know. I've never seen cats have sex. Mm. Yeah, because cats are like women. Like, we just, we just. Don't Growing up, I thought all cats were girls and all dogs were boys. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, I've never seen a cat have sex either. But, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've never seen monkeys have sex either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But I have seen videos. I of, could see monkeys making love. I've I mean, seen, they're, they're such like a fun little creature. You ever see the videos where people that own monkeys and those monkeys attack them? Mm. They bite off their fingers and their faces. Wait, the monkeys bite off the owner's face and fingers? Yeah. Hmm. It's insane. I would. Why nev- did they do that? Well, that's why that when they attack you, they they go to to. They know how to get at you. Yeah, they, they want digits. Yeah. I mean, it, I, mean I would never want to own a monkey. But I mean, that happens with dogs. I mean, people own dogs, and their dogs just randomly attack a neighbor, and then they're like, "Oh shit, we got to get ho- like house insurance now." You know, like dogs will just randomly freak out. Believe know? me, no one knows more about dogs freaking out than yeah, I do. Are you afraid of dogs? Dogs? No, I'm not afraid of dogs. You are afraid of no, dogs. No. He was walking down the street day the other day, and there was just a little dog walking by us, and you're like, let's cross the street. Listen, I said, that little dog ain't going to do nothing to you. That, and you're like, nah, we going to get well, him out of there. Listen. And I was like, ah, oh, Your it. facts are confused. I mean. That's how you react to dogs all the dang time. It wasn't a little dog. You afraid of a picture of a dog. All right. I had a dog screensaver on the computer, and you're like, turn that right. off. Now you're just making things up. All right, Dusty. But I, you never know what dogs are going to do. That wasn't a small dog. In fact, the conversation that we had was the dog was too big for the owner. I thought, if that dog wants to get us, it's going to get us. And then I'm going to have to pull my pocket knife out, and I'm going to have to poke the dog, and then everybody's going to be mad at me. That I that I stabbed a dog up. Oh here. hell, Dusty, you ain't gonna be poking nothing. <laughs> I remember one time we was at a hotel and we saw a possum up under a little ledge, and you ran up ahead of me, and you're like, "You on your own, Missy?" I didn't do that. To and you. I had just moved to America. I had never seen no possum in my life. I was like, "Hell, what the hell is that oh, white rat doing?" Oh, please! <laughs> you ran away. You didn't care about your oh, wife. Oh, please! It almost tore us apart. Oh. I was like, I don't know if I can marry this kind of man and gonna protect me oh, from a damn possum. Please, we can't do a podcast if you're gonna. And just spread lies about Well, me. you know it's true. You, you know, know I didn't. I was you, afraid of that possum. I was afraid for of him sure. too. And I but was just I a tiny little woman. But I didn't abandon you. You did. You were like, I'm running for the door. You follow me if you want to live. If you don't want to live, then God speed with you. Yeah, we ran in together. Sometimes I think you showed me the Bible just so that if I ever die, then it's like, well. We ran in together. And that was a, it was in Iowa. And that was a particularly scary possum. Well. Yeah, I mean, I'd never seen a possum before. They don't they don't take in Canada because it's too cold. We got raccoons up there. I don't know that that's true either. I'm not. I'm telling you, it's true. I've we never were seen a possum. Pretty in high the flesh. up in Iowa, it's pretty cold. Yeah, but that's up there. still like do you thousands of miles south of Canada. Do you remember when we were in Iowa and it was like negative twenty? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, because that's like prairie land. That's the middle of America. It's cold up there. Yeah, it's cold where I'm from too. But we just didn't have possums. I'm telling you, we don't. I mean, there might, there probably are possums kicking around in Canada, but you don't. I've never seen one. I never. No one talks about possum culture in Canada. No one's, no one's talking about a possum. Possum culture. Yeah, the 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 culture of possums hanging upside down, the, the the culture of possums playing dead. I mean, these these are things I learned within the last three years. We did have some possums in the house that we were living in, though. I saw yeah. a possum on the neighbor's house. Yeah, and there was a possum on the front porch eating cat food. Yeah, one I mean, time. They, I watched it eat they, cat food. They are a slightly less aggressive than raccoons. Cody said, "Do you want me to get a bat and go out there and hit the possum?" He said, that's what we used to do. But he grew up in what part of, t- uh, some really country part of Tennessee. Yeah, I don't remember which one. He was like, I'll hit it with a bat. That's what we used to do. Mm. We won't tell that rat story with all those rats that we Yeah, used to. since we don't live there anymore. Oh, gosh. There was. This is a horrific story of animal slaughter. We, we lived, it's not horrific of animal it's slaughter. A, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story, though. Listen, this was a story of, of 
we, we lived in this house. We lived in an old uh, southern, ante- it wasn't antebellum, but it was built in 1870. It was a beautiful house. I loved great that house, house. Great house. But it was very old and it hadn't been kept up. And we and it had been kept up all right. But it hadn't been kept up enough to stop us from having an infestation of rents. But we, we had we had six bedrooms, two bathrooms, and six bedrooms, six people lived there. Mm. And it was a huge house. We got married in this house. We did. Not in the house, but while we were living we there. We was living there when we was married. We didn't have a ceremony in the house. Mm-mm. But we... You know, we we had our we had our honeymoon throughout. You know, I lived in there a few years, a couple of years before Hannah, and we had seen some rats, and we had seen a really big rat. Like we had uh, running through the kitchen, and they would jump under the stove and then go out through a hole in the wall. So I fixed that hole, but we caught a huge rat in one of those big rat traps, the big metal rat traps because we needed the big ones. We had to call in the big rat traps because right. the little ones wasn't doing nothing. Right, they would. And the little ones, they would they would set that trap off, and then they would get out of it. And they'd eat the cheese. And they would eat the cheese. They'd eat it. They'd eat it. They'd set the trap off, and they'd be on their merry way, and they'd probably and then, be laughing at us, all the little rats. <laughs> so I, uh, we 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 confused the humans. So I I glued two rat traps and two mouse traps to a three by five piece of wood, and put that in. We had this little room under the stairwell. Where there was tons of rat droppings, they kept getting in there, and I was like, "I'm going to get them with this." So we got a few over the months. We got a few, and then they started to figure it out. They st- yeah, they're smart. They started to be able to get the peanut butter or the cheese off of the rat trap without even setting it off, mm-hmm. and they were able to do that with the mouse traps too. Without even setting it off. And then they started to get cocky. Like, I'd be in the kitchen and they'd just run over my foot. And I'm yeah. like, I'm sick of these damn vermin. But we wouldn't see them all the time. So it wasn't like, it was a, it was a type you of... You see them enough that they think they run the damn house because they right. figured out, they'd figured us out. And, you, and I was furious. But he also didn't see them in, in, like, the bedrooms or anywhere else. So it was easily ignored until you saw them. Right. So we thought, you know what, I'm going to try a different approach. I'm going to get some glue traps. Mm. And I had, because, you know, we were getting a few rats, but we weren't getting a lot of them. And I was like, well, let me try the we glue We knew trap. they were about, though. We knew they were about. Yeah, so we set the glue traps out one night. I set oh, four glue traps out. And then this is this is a Thursday. The next day, we're leaving to go to Arkansas. Both to, me and you together. Yes, to a place called The Grove, a uh, great club in which is, Arkansas. Which is where Walmart started. Yeah, where Walmart, where Walmart There's started. a guy named Bill who runs that club. He treated us like oh, kings. He gave us steaks. Gave us steaks. All right, we're getting ahead of the story, though. All right, so we wake up, and I, I'm like, I'm going to go check the stairwell. And I could hear some screeching before I got there. But the, the the stairwell under the stairwell is completely dark, so the rats, uh, you know, can get trapped and not really know what's happening. I don't know what their vision's like, but if it were me, I would be like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just stuck here right now. Yeah. So I open that, and the light comes in, and then the screams oh, begin. God, oh God. It's just screams and screams, and I look in there, and there's seven rats. Oh. He ain't lying, folks. There was seven dang rats stuck to these glue traps. Seven alive rats. They were alive and well. They just stuck. And they were stuck to these traps. Oh, Lord. And I think they were only stuck to like three of them. I think one of them was still empty. So there's seven rats on three rat traps. Oh, Lord. So I'm like... And hell, this is about 7 a.m. in the morning. We are about to get up on that road. Super early in the morning. And I'm like, you know, I want to be rid of the rats. I do want to be rid of the rats, but I'm not cruel. I don't... Now these rats are stuck to these traps. They're alive. They're screaming in pain, and I want to... I, want, I don't even know if they were in pain. They were just stuck. How much does glue hurt? Well, I don't know. If my face was stuck to a glue trap, and, and then I tried to push myself off, and then my hands got stuck, I think that'd be pretty painful for me. You got a low threshold of pain, then. Well, you don't want your whole face... What if your hair was stuck to a glue I'm trap? I'm just playing with you. Of course glue stinks. If I lay on your hair, you're like, oh, my hair, my hair, my hair. Dang right. You don't touch my hair like that. You go immediately to crying. All right. So... 
I think so. I put them in a trash bag, but I'm like, I got neighbors. I can't have screams coming out of my trash can. And what's that going to leave these rats to do? It's going to leave they go them come back in. And it's going to leave them to starve to death out there. And I don't want that. That is cruel punishment. You, you decided you didn't want to suffocate the rats in the trash. I didn't want to. I didn't know if they would suffocate, and I didn't want to leave them to thirst and starve to death. I feel like that's the worst way to die. Mm. So I thought I need to end them quickly. And we had to get on the road. And we had to get on the road. So I'm like, I need to kill these rats. So and you took them out. So I took them out. I put them in a trash bag. And I took them out into the yard. <laughs> oh, God. And I felt terrible about it. But I uh, thought, this is the only way to do it. What did you do? I took a cement block, a one of those giant block. cinder blocks. And I raised it above my head. Oh, God, that's safe. And I slammed it down on the bag. And instantly, all the screaming stopped. You only did it once? I did it a couple of times. <laughs> oh, that's safe. But because I wanted to make sure that they were dead, I did not want these things to suffer. I mean, you just took a cement block, is how we call it in Canada, and you just crushed their bodies with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't need to get into those kind of details. Well, that's what it. happened. I but mean, I, but I this just, is a podcast. We need to create optics. We need to create visuals. But I wanted them to... You know, be dead. There but, was no- but the crazy thing about that is, is like, we did it. We're like, whoa, that is crazy. And then we got on the road. But then I feel like this must be like what it's like for real murderers. It's like, you just like, we just didn't really even address how weird and messed up that was until like a couple months ago. And I was like, yo, you remember when we like smashed the cement block on those rats? And yeah. then you were like, yeah, that this- was messed up. And then we like, we kind of blocked it out of our memory. We're like, oh God, like we just... And we, we never use the glue traps again because it's like, yeah, they were efficient to catching the rats. But then you have to step yeah. up to the plate and ask yourself what kind of person you are. The great thing about the metal trap is it snaps their neck immediately killing them. Mm-hmm. So there is no suffering. The poison, on the other hand, is 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 the popular method. That's what people like to use. But you know what the told that the po- – I used to sell pesticides for a living. Mm-hmm. And this – and rodenticides, as you would call that. And this this is designed – to make the mouse thirsty. Mm. And so they go out in search of water, but they can't drink water. It does something to them. And and they also, uh, it does something to them where they just slowly die. Yeah. And it's just an awful, there's awful There's no good death. way to deal with that kind of thing. Like, there's no good way to deal with rats. I mean, you know, sometimes you catch a spider in your house and you're like, I'm going to let this spider live. And you just take it outside and you let it go into a tree and then it's alive. But it's like with a rat, I mean, they're insidious. They're going to get up in your house. They're going to keep trying to get up on your crumbs and you're going to start to get mad at them. And there's going to be like a contempt that starts to build so that when it comes time to destroy these rats, you take that cement block and you throw it at them. And you're and like, well, that's done. You know, I'm a human, you know, watch out. I'm, you're in my kingdom. And they're also dirty. You don't want to catch a disease yeah. from a mouse. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, I remember I told someone that we had like rats in my house and they looked at me like I was disgusting. And I was like, Oh, like this anyone listening to this podcast. Well, is gonna but think. I don't know. It's like, it's like some people's things are, I mean, it, it is gross, but I didn't feel like, I don't know. That's not my thing that I get too creeped out. I mean, it's cause I grew up on a farm. So it's like, yeah, there was rats, there was bats, there was no possums. And I will say it again. There was zero <laughs> possums on my farm, but there was rats, there was raccoons. There was all sorts of things. Mice. We had tons of mice. I actually, really hate rats and mice and they, they disgust me and I can't look at them. And that's why every, anytime there was any sort of rat or mouse situation in our house, I just, just, you have to get rid of it. Like I can't like the thought of a little mouse running over my leg the one day that it did or the rat or whatever it was. I mean, it was, it shook me to my core and well, I said, I hate I said it I'm going to divorce you if you don't get rid of these dang rats. So you're like, well, I hated that that happened to you. Yeah. It's terrible. And I was all alone in the house you're off on the road. Nothing makes your house feel as dirty as seeing a rat, though, oh, to be honest with God. you. God. I mean, a little mouse is fine, but uh, a rat feels like you've been God. violated. But it, this is because I am being violated yeah. because they know that they're smaller than me and they just they're just cocky. They're just running up over my foot while I'm making pasta and it's like, get out of here. I wouldn't even be trying to kill you if you weren't trying to flaunt your shit in front of me. You know, excuse my language, Dusty Slay, but you well, know, this and is, so and then this is what comedy is, you know. Comedy is 
killing rats in the morning, driving eight hours, and being funny. And blocking that out of your memory, <laughs> like, though. Like, we blocked that out of our memory. We didn't speak of it for months. Like, there's been a lot of days where I arrived to my gig with a lot of road rage, and I'm just, I'm not happy. There's been stress, there's been traffic, it's been raining, it's been hailing, it's been snowing, it's been, you know, one day I drove to Arizona, it was 115 degrees, and I drove all the way across the New Mexico desert. Yeah. Just to get to the gig and go, hey, who's having a good time? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, but it is fun. But it, it, you know, there's a lot that goes into it that you got to block it all out. And then you get yeah. some heckler up front who's who's just poking at you. He's not loud enough for the rest of the audience to hear, but he's just kind of jabbing you. Mm. And you got to block it out. Yeah. Yeah, and then plus, if you bring your wife on the road, Lord knows what kind of drama she's going to be bringing to you at any given minute. Yeah, I mean, you could bring your wife and she not have a good set, and then you have a good set, and then you can't be happy about your good set. because now, see, you know that that ain't true anymore. You well, know that that's a problem we had early on in our in our coupling, and we no longer have that problem because A, your wife better at comedy, and B, your wife is not as much of a baby as she was in 2016. I agree. Thank you. I agree. Thank you. And we're having a good time. We are having a good time. I don't know. You want to wrap this up? It's been about 45 minutes. You didn't ask me about any of the books I've been reading. We want well, to talk about that. Well, let's hear about a book you've been reading. I don't know. I don't know if people really care about the books I read. Just tell us what it is. Well, I'm reading a book right now that's called The Rise of Big Business, 1860 to 1920. Yeah, and see, that's how you know uh, the stuff about Cleveland that you presented at the mm-hmm. beginning of the thing. That you know, People don't know. I don't know that about Cleveland. But I'll tell you the thing about Cleveland. Mm. It's a very nice city. The architecture is amazing. Yeah, because they had big time uh, industrial revolution and money I think, in there. Yeah, that's why they had that early 1800s, 1900s money mm-hmm. uh, and architectural sense uh, so that the buildings look good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the cheap architecture that we see today. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that fascinates me right now that I'm reading about is uh, how integral the railroad was um, to the formation of America or even just the Western world as we know it. I mean, people are like, technology is crazy now. And it's like technology isn't that crazy when you contrast it to like how crazy the Industrial Revolution changed things like the invention of the railroad and the telegram. Like those yeah. things really sped things up. I mean, we doubled our, our human population. I think not even doubled, like tripled the human population like 1840s onward right that's that's really what kicked up you know overpopulation and the mass movement of products and the ability to communicate over long ranges i mean that's really that's crazy technology i mean oh we got a phone that you know we can order pizza with like cool we can we can download music and make artists poor now oh great like i really think that the biggest invention was railroad that really changed the game yeah i mean imagine going from riding a wagon Mm -hmm. to a train yeah yeah, and the other interesting thing that I'm reading in my book was there was a huge discussion in the early 1800s about what was going to be the transportation method that, that America was going to invest in. And it was a question between the railroad and the canal system. It was like really like they, they were trying to debate like what's what's the better system, like boats through water if you just built a bunch of like uh, – I don't know, canals. I like that idea. I wish we had done canals. Yeah, but you can see why railroads would be more efficient because you don't have to, like, dig holes and put water in and keep all that upkeep up. I mean, there's probably different upkeep, but the big problem with the early uh, integration of railroads was that they had no way of communicating with each other because the telegram came later. Let's take a long ride on a train. Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd like to take a ride on a train. I actually one time took a ride on a train. I took a ride from... um, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia in the, the east coast of Canada and then I took the train down to Montreal and I just, every time, like, people always talk about Montreal like it's a fun party city I only went to Montreal to be by myself and just kind of wallow a little bit and smoke cigarettes and so I took a train from Halifax uh, where I worked one summer on a television show and then I took the train from Halifax to Montreal and then back to Ontario where my dad picked me up in Pickering and took me home to Peterborough and then I stayed there and I cleaned his I cleaned his bathroom for a couple of weeks. It was quite dirty. Not dirty, like rat dirty, but he just, he was a man living on his own. He never yeah. cleaned his bathroom. But, um, so yeah, I took a train one time. It was very nice. I was over it for, but it's, it's a long ride. I don't think I've ever taken a train. I mean, I've rode like, uh, like at the Atlanta airport. I've rode the, that, that kind of thing. Have you taken subways New before? New York City subways. Yeah. Toronto subways. Toronto subways. 
Yeah, I mean, and the, and the saddest thing, too, it's like no matter where you go, train always sounds the same, but people don't even care about the train anymore. I mean, no one even, you know, no one talks about trains. No one really realizes how important trains were. And, you know, you go through certain cities and, like, you know, train districts and railroad tracks, they've just kind of become these, like, you know, in the same way that big warehouses and stuff, I mean, you just kind of look at them and you don't think anything about them, but you're like, oh, well, that was the meatpacking district in Chicago, or that was a textile mill in mm. uh, Cleveland. And, and those were huge, huge industries that um, uh, built America and, you know, made America rich and made America what it was, what it is today. So, yeah, I'm really into trains. Me too. Yeah. Well... All right. Well, I feel like that we've had... I had a good time with you. This is, we've had a good time. I had a good time. I don't know if we've addressed it. Sometimes I slip into a southern accent. Well, it's okay. I mean, sometimes I go in and out of it, too. Sometimes I'm more southern than other times. Yeah. And it's not on purpose. I'm not being like, now I'm going to be more southern. But it just comes out, you it's, know? It's fun to be southern. It is fun to be southern. I mean, like, to sound southern, like, I, I love it. There's a great Jason Isbell song where he says, "Don't." He says his dad says to him, "Don't worry about losing your accent. A southern man tells better jokes." Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I, agree I with like that. that. I like that lyric. Yeah, they know how to tell a good story down here. Yeah. So, but like I say, I don't know when this podcast will come out. But next, let's w- try to get it out this week. This Why don't you weekend, work on the Squarespace today? I'll get to writing my jokes, and you can just sit out there. As you do, and then you'd work on a little Squarespace. How about this, you get it going? This then? weekend, uh, from April twelfth to the fourteenth, I'll be in Lexington at Comedy Off Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah will be uh, in Atlanta at the Laughing Skull. Yes. And then next week, uh, we're going to be. I'm going to be on a show at Zany's uh, on the nineteenth, uh, the Brad Paisley show, which is already sold out. But mm-hmm. and, uh, and then. Friday will be in Jacksonville, Florida. Me and you. Friday, April 20th, 420. We'll be down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, telling some jokes. And then, uh, we don't know, we may go to Savannah and just hang out. Yeah, we need some romance in our life. Yeah, we might, but we also might try to do a show in Savannah. Yeah. If anybody, you know, listening is like, ooh, I know a spot. Yeah. We'll, we we'll find a spot. Yeah, but we're always having a good time. We are always having a good time. And then, uh, so check us out, DustySlay.com and HannahHoganComedy.com. HannahHoganComedy.com. And, you know, Miss Hannah Hogan on the Internet, uh, on the social medias, uh, and Dusty Slay on the social medias. And just come out. Have a good time with us. Yeah. Listen, subscribe, do all that, man. Yeah, I got some stuff on YouTube. I'm doing a little thing where I do my top five country songs. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about Dusty. He is quite country. I mean, this ain't like he wears a hat on stage. People are like, is that is that how that boy really dresses? It's like, yeah, that is how that boy dresses. I mean, he wears vests in real life. I mean, he's a country comedian and he's southern and he's doing country things and he's putting out country videos about country music. Yeah, I mean, I'm much more country. I mean, how I was raised is much more country than what people think. Oh yeah, you've been, you've become sophisticated over the years. Lord knows your socialist Canadian wife is going to be morphing you again some more, but you, yeah. you're going to try to resist it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm going to resist it. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. We're having a good time. We're having a good time.